Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. Well, this morning, like I said, I'm excited about this morning's message. Uh, We're going to take some time to dive into a two-week study on Easter. In fact, today, we're going to look at the the fact that God is truly all in. Now, we've spent the last few months talking about our responsibility to be all in. That's our word or our phrase for the year. We're to be all in in our approach, all in in our desire, all in in our longing for more of God. It's the greatest challenge that God's ever given this church to be all in. That means we're holding nothing back. We're not putting anything in the back corners. We're not hiding anything up our sleeves or in our pockets, but we are all in in our pursuit toward a relationship with God. But this morning, we're going to dive in and discover the fact that God is all in as well. And here's what I love. God isn't asking you to do something that he's not willing to do himself. Yes? So we're going to look at a very popular scripture this morning. This scripture um, sometimes is, is overlooked because we think we know it so well. Have you ever been guilty of reading through your Bible and then you'll get to a, a section that you've read before or maybe you've memorized before or you've heard people talk about? What happens in that moment as you're reading along, you kind of either skim that section or you find yourself skipping over that section because you think, well, I already know that. Come on, are are any of you guilty of that? There's a couple of us in the room. Absolutely. If we're honest with ourselves, every one of us tend to do that. We think we know it. We think we have a grasp on it. We think we have ourselves wrapped around it. But truth be told, we know of it. We know a few details, but we really don't know what that scripture is trying to say because we've never allowed ourselves to dive into it. So this morning, I want to look at John 3.16 and John 3.17. Come on, John 3.16 and John 3.17. Look what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, most of us know that scripture. We've seen it at ball games. We've seen it on shirts. We've seen it on banners. It's quoted more, probably more than any other scripture in the Bible. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life or eternal life. And John three seventeen says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God is all in. I want you to know in God's approach to you, God's all in. So this morning for the next few moments, I want to look at three truths of God's all in commitment. I want want you to understand today before you leave this place that God truly is all in in his commitment to you. So take really good notes. Our first point is this. Truth number one, God's love for you is endless. 
Come on, wrap yourself around that. God's love for you is endless. Let's read John 3, 16 again. For God so loved the world. The world. This, this word world, it comes from the original word cosmos. And we can break this word cosmos into three different categories. And by the way, please bear with me this morning as I began diving in to this scripture I discovered that there was more to discover. The more that I discovered, I discovered more to discover. And then more that I discovered, I discovered more to discover. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to throw out some original words to Greek words, Hebrew words to you. And I'm going to wrap ourselves around that today. Kind of give you some meaning and some perspective of what we're looking at. So we have the original word here, cosmos. The first definition is the world. So God so loved the world. This is non-personal. This is his creation. He just loves what he's done. How many of you guys, that first time that you mow the yard for the season, I can't talk about the ladies, but the guys, I know what we do. The first time we mow the yard for the season and we've got those stripes in the front yard, we stand at the door and we do this. Hey, honey, come look at this yard. Look at, look, you got, you got to see this yard. Look at this. I mean, we are super, come on, any other guys do that? Come on, it's what we do. Or we grill those steaks, and we have those grill marks, and we're like, come on now. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody doing better than that, right? So God so loved the world. He so loves his creation of what he has accomplished, what he has done. The second is the inhabitants of the earth. Now, this is generalized. This is the 7.9 billion people that inhabit the earth. God so loves them all, right? And then we get a little bit more personal. This is the, the whole mass of men alienated from God and therefore hostile in the cause of Christ. This is this is personal. This is anyone and everyone that has separated themselves or walked in a direction opposite that of the glory and the presence of God. God so loves the broken. God so loves the hurting. God so loves the confused. God so loves those that are lost. See, God's all in. God took the time to cover all the bases. He chose on your behalf to go all in, knowing full well the path that you were on was a destructive path, ultimately leading to death. That's how much he loves each and every one of us. Now, we're going to discuss the severity of this word death in just a few moments. But suffice it to say that God went all in for you. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, God's all in. He's choosing out of his love for creation. He's choosing out of his love for this world. He's choosing out of his love for mankind. He's choosing out of his love for those that are lost without him to offer something, a sacrifice, to pay the price, to pay the ransom for the sin that you and I have committed. But he pays the price once and for all. The Hebrew word kafar in the Old Testament can be translated into the word that we use, atonement. Now, for some of you, that didn't help any. 
I could say kafar and I could say atonement, and both of you are like, it's Greek to me, even though it's Hebrew. I don't even know. But this word literally means to cover. The atonement involved a sacrifice of an innocent animal by killing that animal, by shedding its blood, and that, that sacrifice would literally just cover the sin of the individual. Now, here's where it gets interesting. This word kafar, this covering, was only a temporary fix. It had to be repeated. But I want to remind you that God's love, God's all-in commitment to you is endless. Look what it says in Lamentations chapter 3. It says the steadfast love, in other words, the unwavering love of the Lord never ceases. The unwavering love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The unwavering love of the Lord never, ever comes to an end. Let me ask you a personal question. Does your love ever wear out for people? How about your like? Does your like ever run out for people? Absolutely. So for us to wrap ourselves around this idea of an unwavering love that never ceases, it's difficult for us to understand. But what we've got to comprehend is that God, in his all-in approach, loves each and every one of us unconditionally. Despite our failure, despite our shortcomings, despite our foolish thoughts, his mercies are new every morning. So what does God's mercy for you and I look like today? Well, truth be told, it looks a lot like Jesus. Let me ask that again. What is God's mercy his unwavering, his steadfast love. What does it really look like? It looks a lot like Jesus. John three sixteen, the latter portion. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, the kafar was a temporary fix, but God knew that a temporary fix wasn't going to cut it. So God chose another option. He willfully gave another option for you. God sent his one and only son. Literally, this word means a singular of its kind. The only one. Jesus did far more for you and I than this temporary fix could ever do. He destroyed death, hell, and the grave. He rose from the grave. He conquered the power of sin for you and for me. God chose to go all in in his love by sending Jesus, our perfect once and for all sacrifice. See, God's love truly is endless. The second truth that I've discovered in John 3, 16 is this, God's love offers a new way. It offers a way out. God's love offers a way out. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
the original word for perish here means that it's more than just simply passing away. It's more than just dying. Oftentimes we read this in newer translations. It says, whoever believes in him will not die. Here it says perish. And we, we equate that to just a loss of life. But this original word literally means to destroy. Apollony. It means to destroy but then we dig a little bit deeper and we discovered Romans 6 23. Because how do you know the Bible all connects? This will fit with this. It's kind of like one big puzzle. And when you put it all together, you see the grand scheme of things, a grand picture for us to grab a hold of. So we go from John 3:16 to Romans 6:23, and we realize that there's a price that must be paid because of the foolishness of our life, the sin that we've committed. What is sin? Sin is anything that separates us from the things of God. Sin is any choice that we make that puts a division, a wall between our walk with God and what he has for us. Paul takes this idea of perishing to be destroyed and he clarifies it and helps us really grab a hold. Look what he says, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is, say it with me, death. death. Wow, that's encouraging, isn't it? What we deserve, what we've earned, the salary for the foolishness of our life is death. Now, this time around, it's a different word. This time it's thanatos. It means two definitions. The miserable state of the wicked dead in hell. Or death comprising all the miseries arising from sin. For the wages of sin is the miserable state of the wicked dead in hell. Wow, that deepens it, doesn't it? That's a lot more than for the wages of sin is death, a loss of life. It takes this idea of being destroyed and brings it to a new level and helps us to put connection together. I want you to understand today, hell is not just a bad day. Oh, we use it that way. We use it that way, don't we? We've heard it used that way. But I want you to understand, hell is more than just a really bad day that you have here on earth. Hell surpasses that worst day that you've ever had. And the Bible declares that there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It contains an unquenchable fire with eternal suffering, complete darkness, eternal separation from God. Now, I'm not telling you this information this morning to scare you. But I want you to understand that without the plan that God had set in motion through the price that Jesus paid on the cross, without God being all in, you and I would have no way out of this dead-end path of destruction. The only thing we would have would be this miserable state of the wicked dead in hell. That's the finish line. There'd be no hope. 
There'd be no future. Be no real forgiveness, just thanatos, the miserable state of the wicked dead. But I hear some of your questions. You're saying, Pastor, why would a loving God send someone to hell? I've heard that. You've heard that. Why would a loving God, if God is so loving, the Bible says that God is defined by love. That's who he is. So if God is a loving God, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? That's a great, honest question to ask. But we've got to really understand what's happening here. To help us to truly process this answer, we've got to really understand this idea of heaven and hell. You see, God doesn't send anybody to hell. Well, how do they get there, Pastor? How do they make their way to hell? We're already on our way because of the life that we're living. The wages of sin is death. It's what we've earned. It's each one of you that have a job in the house today, you want to receive your wage, your salary every week, every two weeks, once a month, whatever the pay layout is for your job, you're looking forward to that being auto-deposited into your account or receiving that check and you go to the bank and put it in the bank. You're looking forward to that. That's what you've earned. But likewise, God doesn't send people to hell. It's, it's simply what we've earned because of the life that we live. We're already on our way there because of the choices that we make. That's the payment that we receive for our life of sin. Separation from God, eternally in the miserable state of the wicked dead. But look how John, I'm sorry, look how Romans 6, 23 finishes. For the wages of sin is death. Oh, but here it is. With God being all in, he offers the free gift. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This word literally means a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own, a gift of divine grace. God's all in for you. So even though you have you've moved forward, you've earned this separation, this miserable state of the wicked dead, even though that's what you've earned because of the choices and the life that you live, God walks up and says, I've got a better plan. I want to give you something to help you in this journey. I want to offer you a gift free gift, the gift of eternal life, not by what we've done, not because we deserve it, but a gift of divine grace. In other words, even though we chose a path of destruction, a life of sin, God makes available to each and every one of us this free gift, not because we deserve it, but because we need it. God, because his love for you and for me is so great, he offers this better plan. He offers eternal life. 
sometimes that's difficult for us to understand. But I want you to know that God's got a future for you. Believe it or not, God has a future for you. Look what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, what a God we have. Come on, he's all in. What a God we have. Because Jesus was raised from the dead... We're given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And oh, look at this. And the future starts now. Oh, one day, Pastor, I'm going to be living life. One day, I'm going to be in heaven for all eternity. Just for this time being, I'm just going to mosey through misery every day of my life. Oh, we used to sing this song, what a day that will be, or when we all get to heaven, right? Those are great songs, but God says you can begin to live life right now. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven for everybody to get along. Come on. We don't have to wait for heaven for us to experience love on a regular basis. That life begins now. We don't have to wait for heaven for us to experience the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God. I want you to understand that begins right here and right now. God's all in for you. God has a plan. The question is, will you receive the gift? He offers us this gift, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but simply because he loves us. A scripture I quote almost every single Sunday, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that word unrighteousness literally means that which separates us from the things of god he brings us into right standing why because he's all in because he's made a way he's faithful and he's just forgiveness for those that confess and believe and justice for those who do not believe and refuse his offer well pastor i don't know if that's love if he if he gives justice if he if he allows them to go to hell look at this john 3 18 there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in god's one and only son here's what i want you to grab a hold of man this kind of unpacked in my brain as i was sitting in my office without justice there's no possibility of a loving god Without justice, true love cannot exist. See, if the good and the bad, the right and the wrong, both are rewarded equally, then where's the justice, where's the love? Right? Come on, is is that making sense to anybody else? I began to look at this and I realized the reason there's got to be justice, the reason there's got to be love is because if they don't have both, then you've got nothing. You just have this mush in the middle. The lines are quickly blurred, and love slash forgiveness is really pointless. We'll discuss real love in just a moment. Let's look at truth number three. God's love offers a better plan. 
as we look at God's all-in approach, there's going to be a response on our side. So it's one or, one or two response choices. Number one is to accept. Number two is to reject. There's nothing in between. It's not, it's got to be one or the other. Truth be told, anything short of acceptance in the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God, anything short of this life-changing free gift that God offers ultimately is rejection. Come on, grab a hold of that. Anything short of acceptance is rejecting. By refusing to accept his forgiveness, we are placing ourselves on the path of judgment for our sin. John 3, 19. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came to the world. That's Jesus. But people love the darkness more than the lights, for their actions were evil. It's a personal rejection. The issue that the world faces is the fact that we've become so comfortable with sin. Come on, hang with me just for a moment here. I want you to grab a hold of this. Embracing a lifestyle that is in opposition to the things of God, calling right wrong and wrong right, justifying that which is sinful, that which the Bible clearly defines as sin, suddenly say, well, we've got to accept that because if we don't accept it, then we're not loving. But I want you to understand that without judgment, there is no love. We've got to understand the heart of God. We turn to that sinful nature rather than running to the author and the finisher of our faith. We allow darkness to become the place in which we're comfortable and we ignore the inevitable destruction. But God offers a better plan. John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John, Jesus' purpose of coming as the baby in the manger that we celebrate every single Christmas was not so that we could have a time to get the family together, not so we could have a time of exchanging presents or decorating a tree. It wasn't to point out every wrong and condemn every person in the world that was already headed towards your destruction. No. His purpose was to offer a better plan, a better way. His plan was to rescue you, to rescue me out of this spiral. To pull us out of the rut of sin. To lead us in a better path. What is love? Love is giving us what we need. Love is offering us the truth. Love is not avoiding the difficult, but leading to truth. Love makes room for error, but does not accept it as beneficial. Come on, look at that. Love makes room for error, but it does not accept it as beneficial. 
Love leads to betterment, not settling for appeasement. Love embraces the broken, but doesn't leave them in despair. Love pulls us out of the spiral and places us on the solid foundation, moving in the right direction. Love doesn't just reach out when we're reaching out to him. Love embraces us when we're at our worst. See, our culture has so perverted this idea of love. That we think love is being accepting of someone's behavior. And we wrap it with a misunderstood definition of tolerance. Grab this. Jesus offers real love today. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is being patient for your sake. Come on, are you grateful for the patience of God? The Lord is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Repentance is simply turning from your sin and moving in the opposite direction, moving toward God. God is calling you out today. Now is your time. Today is your day. Will you join God as he goes all in? Would you in turn commit your life to go all in with him? I want to give you that opportunity today. I want to challenge you today. Don't find yourself just playing the game. The game's not going to cut it. Don't find yourself just punching a religious time card and, and living like the world outside these walls. See, anything short of acceptance is rejection. Today, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to, to go all in. To respond to God's approach to you. And say, Lord, here I am. Lord, I give myself to you. Are you ready? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.